welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Excel Still More program. Today, we're going to talk about the persuasion triangle. No matter who you are, what roles you have in this life, every one of us is trying to persuade people to our point of view pretty much every single day. It doesn't matter if you're a spouse, you're trying to get your mate to see things your way. If you have children, you can flex your authority muscle if you need to, but really you just want to persuade them to do what's right. If you're a kid, you don't have that authority muscle, so you need to be super clever to try and persuade your parents to agree with you and support what you want to do. And it goes beyond that. In the church, we try to persuade God's people to get stronger or to make changes. At work, if you're an employer or an employee or a fellow co-worker, it's all the time every day. And to be straight up honest with you, most people are just not very good at it. It doesn't come naturally to them, and so they just kind of go with their strengths, ignore their weaknesses, and struggle. But that's not you. People who tune into this podcast want to get better. And today our focus is, how do you get better in persuading other people to do the right thing? Now, the three concepts I'll be sharing with you, the three pieces of the triangle, are very, very old. In fact, they're Greek words that date back to the writing of Aristotle in 400 B.C. He wrote some literature describing the relationship between these three things, and he talked about how much of a difference you can make when you have equal weight of all three, and really it's been changing lives ever since. All right, here we go. Three areas of development. Pathos, ethos, and logos. Your attention to those three things will come together to make all the difference. By the way, before we jump into the definitions, that is how I have chosen to pronounce them, okay? Pathos, ethos, logos. If you're a pathos, ethos, logos guy, I don't know. Just go start your own podcast or something. I don't know. I'm sure there are variations to that, but that's what we're going with. I'm going to break down each one starting with pathos, and here's what I want you to do. While you're listening to this, give yourself a rating between 1 and 10. Where would you put yourself on the pathos scale? Now, firstly, here's what the word means. It means emotion. Pathos is in words like sympathy and empathy. It's the ability to feel something for another person to convey that feeling to them, and when done properly, it will evoke a similar emotion in that other person. Now, that's a lot of data. Let me slow that down. If I said that pathos was just loving people, it wouldn't be enough. You'd say, well, I feel tons of love for this person. This is my spouse. This is my brother or sister in Christ, and it's like it's not making any difference. Look, everybody can say they love someone. Pathos is more than that. It is, for instance, with a spouse, 
It is the feeling, the actual internal emotional feeling of love for that other person that you find a way of sharing with them. It doesn't do any good to love someone if they don't know that you love them. It doesn't do any good to be emotional about something if you cannot use verbal and nonverbal signs to share that emotion with them, either emotion for the person or emotion about the topic that's being discussed. So pathos requires feeling and the sharing of feelings. But again, that's not the end of it. If you're really rated high on the pathos scale, you have the ability to convey that in a way where it causes them to feel the same things. I was thinking the other day about a series of Bible studies I did with this couple, and I felt like I was conveying my love for Jesus and for them, and my love for the topic of baptism and salvation. But I could tell from the look on their face that they weren't feeling those same things. Either they questioned whether I really felt that way about them, or maybe they just could not quite share that same emotion for Jesus. But of course, it's very difficult to convert someone to Christ if they don't feel that emotional connection and passion with reference to Jesus. Some of that, of course, was out of my control. But what I realized later is I should have spent a little less time with the data, which we'll talk more about in a minute, and a little more time conveying the heart of the gospel. And look, if that's true of the gospel, it's true of everything. Everything that you want someone else to believe will be dependent on the pathos between the two of you. Again, I want you to rate yourself 1 to 10. I'm not asking if you're an emotional person versus a non-emotional person. I'm asking you, can you feel emotion for other people, convey that feeling of emotion, and do a nice and patient job of trying to invoke those same feelings from them back towards you? That's the first part of the triangle. All right, let's add a second piece to this. The second word is ethos. In a word, it means credibility. It's the idea of whether or not you are a credible, qualified person to share this information. Do you have integrity? Are you believable? Somebody can believe that you care about them, and they can get emotionally wrapped up in what you're saying. But if ultimately they don't consider you to be a credible persuader, then they will fight being persuaded. There are lots of examples we can give about this. There are people in your life who have credibility with you in certain categories. If you have a favorite doctor, you go there when you're sick and you believe what they tell you because they have established integrity and credibility in that field. It doesn't matter how much somebody cares about me and I care about them or how emotional we are about what's going on. If I question their integrity, or if I question their expertise, or if I'm wavering in confidence, if I don't have a great reason to listen to them, then I probably won't. So let's think about it from your perspective. If you're trying to convince someone or persuade them, pathos is important, but you also need to be a credible witness. You need to be someone that they would say, hey, I should listen to them. There are reasons why I should listen to them. For instance, if you want to advise someone else from church 
about how to better raise their kids, it's pretty important that you are doing a good job raising your kids. Now, you might say, if you're listening right now, you'll say, no, as long as I've got Bible verses in my hand and I can give them the scripture, then it doesn't matter what's going on with my kids. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. That's called logos, and having scripture is great. I'm just here to tell you, though, they're not going to listen. They're not going to leave and say, you know what? I'm going to apply those scriptures exactly like I was just advised to, unless the person who gave them the advice is also seeing great results. And now they're thinking, okay, well, it's working for them. They're credible. They have integrity. They're not telling me one thing and then doing something else. They're actually doing it. They have an expertise in it. And by the way, you don't have to have a PhD for this. Same thing with preaching. I don't have to have some seminary degree in preaching to be influential. What I have to do is have pathos for people and be able to convey that emotion and be able to get them to also feel those things. And then I need to be somebody credible because I'm applying it to my life. Hypocrites rank very low on the ethos scale. People, parents in particular, who are always telling their kids, this is how you're supposed to do it, but they're not doing it themselves. They may be biblically right and highly emotional about it, but if the ethos level, the character, confidence, and credibility level is low, it's really hard to change people. So when I say rate your ethos 1 to 10, I'm asking you this, why should that other person listen to you? Beyond just how you feel about them, beyond the facts that you have, just based on what they see when they look at you, what credibility do you carry? Are you somebody who feels like you carry high credibility in the fields in which you try to influence people? So give yourself a rating on that, and we'll go to the third and final thing. The third and final thing is logos, or logos, for you super intelligent types. Logos means the word. We often just associate it with the Bible. What it literally means is logic. It means that when you're trying to persuade someone, you've got facts on your side. You may have Bible verses in tow. You're making a good logical argument. And here's what I find really interesting in the church in particular. Most people who try to influence others are pretty good at this. At least they should be. We study the Bible so often. They should be able to come in and say, here's what the Bible says. Here's what we know about the church. Here's what we need to do. But oftentimes, people rate very high on logos, but not very high on the other two things. So they're given all these facts and figures, and then people don't change, and they wonder what's wrong with them. What I'm here to tell you today is, that's not the right question, at least not at first. The right question is, what's wrong with me? Is there something that I'm not doing when I'm conveying this logic? So let me say this first. If you're somebody who makes arguments without first doing Bible study, if you're someone who spouts a lot of opinion, but not a lot of facts, try to get better at that. Be logical, be biblical, be factual. However, we've got to get all three of these things working together. I ask you to rate yourself 1 to 10. Here's what we often do on scales like that. You have three numbers in your head. Your pathos number, your ethos number, your logos number. 
We say, well, let's add all three of those numbers together and divide by three and get an average, and that's where you are on the persuasion scale. Nope, that won't work here. You can be a 10 in two of these categories, but if you're a two in the other, your success rate in persuasion is a two. You are, at your highest rating, your lowest score. Now that's a humbling idea, isn't it? Here's what this means. It means in this case, you have to determine which one is not coming through the most. Whichever one you give yourself the lowest rating on is the one you need to work on first. I would imagine with everybody listening, one of these three things just comes naturally for you. Maybe you have this beautiful way of conveying emotion and seeing others respond to it. Maybe you're somebody who always has this air of credibility because there's just an integrity and a believability to you. That's ethos. Or maybe you're someone who just always makes the most sound, logical, Bible-based arguments time after time. That's all awesome. We're excited about your natural ability here, but I'm just here to tell you that you have to decide which one is not coming so naturally, and the better you get at that thing, the better you get in that category, the more all three will work together, and you can really do good in people's lives. Let me give you a few examples that may help. Let's say there's somebody at your church where you worship that's really struggling. This person is struggling to come to worship faithfully. They're struggling with some issues and choices that they're making, and you want to try to help them. Now, there are three pieces to that, aren't there? One is, let's start from the back end, logos. You need to find out what the Bible says, share that with them. But if you go and do that, and yet they don't have any relationship with you, it won't go well, will it? Instead, what if you started with the P, pathos? You started by just getting to know them, sharing with them how much you care about them, trying to talk to them about how much God means to you, asking them about how much God means to them, really getting them emotionally invested in who they are as a Christian, thinking about things they may not have thought about in a long time. At the same time, you're building rapport. You tell them just a little bit about you, about your history, things you've gone through. And every time you do, it builds a little more credibility. And hopefully, you're someone who they've seen fairly consistently do what's right, so you have integrity. There's your ethos. Now you have them over for dinner. And you say, can we talk a little bit about the Bible when you come over on Friday night? And they're going to say, yeah, that'd be great. Now you sit down with them, pathos and ethos in place, and you talk about the Word of God. Do you think that'll do a lot better than just walking up to them on a Sunday morning at church and saying, hey, missed you last week, and you walk off and they're like, who was that? Those are things that matter. On the other end of the spectrum, just to look at it a different way, maybe it's a family member, somebody you are really trying to persuade to rethink their life or do something different. And maybe you're all about that pathos. I mean, you convey emotion to them and you get them to share how they feel, and that's been really good. And maybe there's even a lot of ethos there. There's a credibility because of your relationship with them. There's a credibility because of times you've had together in the past. But when it comes to making an argument, you tend to share a lot of opinion. Things that immediately can be discredited as just one view. Maybe it's time to go get some Bible study in. 
Maybe it's time to get your logos ramped up and make logical arguments that demand attention. We could talk about this for a long time, but I do want to say a couple of things about the Bible before we're done. First of all, Jesus used these qualities all the time. If you will read the Gospels with these three words written down beside you for reference, you will see how Jesus did that. As we close, however, I want to talk to you about the Apostle Paul. It's become most clear that these three elements all worked in Paul's efforts. Do you remember the time he almost persuaded, there's our word, King Agrippa, to become a Christian? Agrippa's grandfather tried to kill Jesus as a baby. Agrippa's father murdered James the Apostle. King Agrippa had every reason not to believe, but by the time Paul was done, he almost became a Christian, and maybe later he did. Ultimately, the heart of the person will determine the outcome, but Paul did his best to be a persuader. How did he do that? Well, you can go back and read Acts 26. He established how much he wanted the king to be saved, how impassionate it was, this plea for the gospel. In terms of ethos, he established, Paul did, his history as a Pharisee and his event of conversion on the road to Damascus. And Logos, yeah, he made a terrific sound biblical argument. He almost persuaded an unlikely king. The Apostle Paul did persuade many people whose hearts were soft and are now enjoying the results of Paul's efforts. So listen, go out there first of all, work on yourself. We put that in almost every episode, but you know, God needs you to help work on others too. Persuade them, convince them, and lead them. You do this with pathos, ethos, and logos, working together in each and every relationship. Look for opportunities, pray about it, and be active, but don't forget the persuasion triangle. Thank you so much for listening today. We encourage you to check out the website, excelstillmore.life, where you can subscribe to emails, order the three-month journal, or check out past episodes. As always, please consider sharing this with people in your life who you think we can help. And whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.